in this episode, we're going to discuss things that you can do to get onto the property ladder quicker. Welcome to your first home buyer guide, the podcast for first home buyers who want to get it right. I'm Megan and that was Veronica. We're both buyers agents and probably old enough to be your mums. But that's a good thing because between us, we've got over 40 years experience and we are going to share with you bucket loads of stories about avoidable mistakes. Together, we're going to make sure that you get unbiased and real information that you can rely on so you can get where you want to be without missing a step. Now, we've got loads of great tips for you in this episode. And if you'd like more useful tools, head over to the website, homebuyeracademy.com.au. There you'll find free checklists that you can download, a free mini course on how to price a property and our where to buy a workshop for only $39. Priceless stuff, really. Bargain. But before we get into the interesting stuff in this week's episode, here's the boring bit, the disclaimer. You of course know that nothing in this podcast is to be taken as personal advice. We always recommend getting the advice of an expert in their field of expertise. Now we've done our very best to ensure that the content is correct at the time of recording, but things change. So check with the relevant government authority or your advisors to get the most up-to-date information. Now, we've got a new workshop that we're bringing to you. It's the Stepping Stone Strategy Workshop. We're running this live, online live. Online uh, live, online live <laughs> On Saturday, 19th of June from 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and you get to do the workshop but also ask us loads of questions. Looking forward to it. I'm quite excited about this one, actually, because we ran a poll and we asked people, what do you want from us next? What part of our brain do you want to pick? And it was rent bursting versus stepping stone strategy and more than double the amount of people wanted the stepping stone strategy. So if you want to make sure that your first property does the heavy lifting to make sure that your dream home will be achievable in the future, then the Stepping Stone Strategy Workshop is the place to come to get the foundation steps right so that you get that first purchase on the ladder right and then can step towards the dream home. Now, to find out more, look at homebuyeracademy.com.au forward slash SSW. It's that simple, but we will put the link in the show notes. These live workshops, we only do them a few times a year and they're Mm -hmm. fantastic. So please join us. rising experiencing FOMO is completely normal and the pressure is on to buy now so you avoid paying more next week or next month or worst case being priced out of the market entirely. Today we're talking about what you can do to be able to buy your first home sooner. Ah, uh, dear. We, you know, we just interviewed a case study episode, which is going to be released two before this. So this is episode 20 and that was episode 18. So that was such a good example of a couple that bought quickly, but their entire process actually took years. Mm. But when they finally were ready, they took four days. <laughs> so that- yeah, from the day they got their pre-approval to the day they put the contract on the property was four days because they had everything lined up and done and prepared in advance and <laughs> uh, and and they were able to do it. Absolutely. So when a proud we talk- moment. <laughs> it is a proud moment. And when we talk about buying quickly, we're not talking about taking shortcuts. No. 
But what we are doing is saying there are times in the market where you do need to be prepared to move very, very fast or buy sooner than you really would rather buy. You might want to save more money. But when prices are rising so fast that that they're rising faster than you can save, there are times when you need to actually say, you know what, that's it. I've got to pull up something I need to buy and I need to buy now. So what we want to talk about today are ways in which you can do that. And let's hit the first way, and that is hitting the bank of mum and dad. Because <laughs> <laughs> we all know that money is the biggest problem. Well, and that's, you know, every single first-time buyer that we talk to, Veronica, every single first-time buyer that does the course, the feedback that we get is their biggest challenge is how to, to, to save the deposit, how to save the deposit and the purchasing costs. Because we've got to remember, it's not just the, the 5% or the 10% mm. or the 20% that you've got to save. You've also got to save the purchasing costs because you need to have that money ready to go when you, when you buy. It's not going to come out of the loan. It's not going to be on, on you, you know, the bank's not going to give it to you in, a, in addition to uh, the 80% that they're going to give you. Yeah. Um, and, and some people um, can access different forms of, of money from their parents, whether that be a gift if, if their parents are in a position to gift money to them or if it's not able to be a gift, maybe a loan, um, maybe borrowing some additional funds from mum and dad can help you build that deposit quicker than you could do on your own. Um, now, really, really, really important here is to, to get um, this, you know, I was reading a post on Facebook the other day of somebody who had done this with their parents, but they hadn't put anything in writing and it all went pear-shaped. And, and, and that's, you know, one of our biggest tips, isn't it, for managing risk, if you do anything with anybody else, is to make sure you put it in writing. Um, is it a loan? When's it going to be paid off? And what is the interest rate going to be? And how long have you got? And, you know, these are really, really important conversations to have and actually put in writing so that everybody knows what is going to happen if things don't go as planned. Oh, that is so true. I think I read the same post and it's interesting. <laughs> we, we, we're, we've been stalking Facebook groups of, um, you know, where there's a lot of first-time buyers in there because we want to understand, you know, what mm. questions, what challenges, what hurdles, you know, apart from what, what a lot of our students have been telling us, what, who else is out there? Yeah. providing support to these people and unfortunately the information and the responses they get in a lot of these Facebook groups is a bit scary actually because a lot of the people responding are actually other people who don't know anything. Yes, they don't know what they don't know. No, and they're not experts. That's a scary bit. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm mortified at some of the answers these people get when they post that stuff, but I did see that same post. I was <laughs> horrified for them. And, yeah, you're right because the thing is that you don't know what can go wrong and there mm. are a, a good lawyer actually can help you here and yep. it's worth spending, you know, a few hundred dollars or a few thousand even to to not find yourself in the situation where you've taken money from your parents but these things haven't been worked out. What are the exit strategies? What if you break up with your partner, mm, you know? Yeah. What if mum or dad need get into a financial financially difficult mm. situation and they need the money back quicker? What if your uh, brother if or sell- sister fights with you because of it? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You know, the, the old favourite discussion is bound to come out if you've got siblings. Um, the other thing you can do, and, and this is this is an important one as well, is they, they can be a guarantor for the loan. If they've got really, really good equity in their own property but aren't um, you know, high, high, don't have high levels of, of um, disposable cash, then you can actually access um, the equity in their property. Now, it does mean some cross-lending, cross cross-collateralised. Cross 
correlation. Correla- correla- thank you. Yeah. Um, it, it, yeah, so their, their property does kind of get tied up with your property, lots and lots of risks to understand and conversations to have and things to put in writing. But that's actually how I got into my first property was my parents um, very, very kindly uh, allowed my brother and I to access some equity in their, their property. Uh, and that was how we were able to get into our first first property. Now, there were a lot of agreements put in place around that. Um, it was well before I knew anything about property, made heaps of mistakes, but, you know, it, it didn't end badly because we all knew what was going to happen if, you know, one of us needed to sell or, or whatever the case may be. Uh, it's, oh, it's, it is a way if there's not a lot of cash sitting around. Yeah, I was about to say, we've actually got a blog on that and I'll put the link in the show notes so you can read. That was actually put together by a mortgage broker some time ago that that. Uh, about the parental guarantee and the requirements around that because there are you do have to get legal advice actually if you use a parental guarantee it's part of the yep. requirements yep. um and it's a very good idea so regardless of whether it's a requirement or not yeah. we absolutely encourage you to do that and so yes you can you can buy quicker if you access the bank of mum and dad but it's not without making sure that you um check all these things out and the reality is you still got to pay back the money if it's a gift or if you're using mm. the guarantee uh, sorry if it's a loan, loan. or using the guarantee if it's a gift, make sure that you don't have to pay it back because I think some people take a gift and they think it's a gift. It's actually not a gift. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> you know? um, so, yeah, be very And it's clear. usually not a gift that keeps giving. So, Definitely uh, not. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so you don't want to be able to able to afford to pay the mortgage that, that you have on the property plus any repayments that you, you have to make to mum and dad. You know, you should treat them as seriously as you would the bank. And that's the thing. If you if you can buy quicker, in order to buy quicker, so what we're saying here is in order to buy quicker, if you have not saved up enough a deposit on your own and you have access to further cash through your parents, then, you know, that can be a great way to buy quicker, but you do have to realise that at some point generally you're going to have to pay that money back. And also if you are given a gift, then you still have to demonstrate you got 5% of savings or genuine savings genuine. the bank refers to them as. Mm. So you still got to actually save some of your own money, you know. There's, mm-hmm. there's a period of time involved in that. So that's one way to speed things up. Another way to speed things up is don't change jobs just now. <laughs> yes. If you're, if you're getting close to, to uh, getting serious about purchasing, um, changing jobs can put you in a position where you have to wait for a period of time before the bank will actually lend money to you, um, yeah. particularly if you're on a, on a probationary period. Mm, so talk to your broker about that. Now, yeah. you know, I was, uh, I was talking to a broker the other day who was saying that, um, yes, if you definitely if you change industries, it, that's the banks don't like that. If you um, if there's a gap or if you resign from your job without having another one to go to, there's an issue with that. Um, and certainly, uh, you know, sometimes some lenders, depending on what your career trajectory is and your new movies, might view it uh, favorably and. Other times they will actually, it will set you back three or six months after mm. that probationary period. So that's something to be very well aware of. I've, I can't believe the amount of people that have spent years saving and then they're nearly ready and then they go and jump ship and get another job. <laughs> get a so, different job. Even if it's a higher paying job, you know, it might be a good career decision, but just be aware of the impact on your ability to borrow. 
And yeah, and if that slows you down in a rising market, that's just a consideration that you need to be really aware of. Absolutely. Mm. Yep. And maybe uh, maybe get the house and the home loan first and then change job. <laughs> yes. Now, another thing. Remembering this is not personal advice. Definitely not personal advice. This is just options. Beware (laughs) that if you want to buy quicker, then you probably need to think twice about changing jobs right now. Now, um, paying LMI, lenders mortgage insurance, we've talked about this before, but this is a way that you can speed up your entry into the property market, and that is Mm. that you pay lenders mortgage insurance. Now, once again, we're not advising you here. We're just letting you know that there are options. options. And this is why it's really important to have a good mortgage broker and talk to your broker around what this means. Mm. I know a lot of brokers say that there's like this magic percentage of 88%. Have you heard that one, Megan? Sure have. Uh, And I've actually run the numbers myself because I was curious. (laughs) Uh, So you can get on this. There's two lenders mortgage insurance providers in Australia uh, and they do have websites. You can jump onto their website and do an estimate, get an estimate for what they're going to charge in lenders mortgage insurance. Now, keeping in mind that you as the borrower do not have any influence over which um, lenders mortgage insurer your bank uses. It is the bank who decides that, not you. So don't do a calculation and think that's it, that's that's right, you know, because surprise, surprise, it might not be. Um, but the the 88% rule, or if you have 12% deposit, um, is plus almost- costs. Plus costs, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yep, yep. So just from an LMI perspective, 88% is about the number where um, it's, it kind of almost can make more sense to use uh, LMI than to continue saving if it's going to take you a month or two months or three months or six months to save as much as it would cost you in LMI. So it, it is a it is a magic number. And if you do the, the um, exercise on um, one of the sites, you know, you, you, what if I've only got 5%? What if I've got 10%? What if I've got 15%? What if I've got 20%, which is no well I might at 20%. But if you if you throw in 88 there and actually look at a table of that, and we talk about this in the course, in your first home buyer guide, um, it, it, the cost benefit is actually in favour of of doing that if, you're in a, if we're in a rising market, it's going to cost you more and more to save more. And as long as you can afford the repayments, of course. So oh, absolutely. So the thing with this and what we're talking about are ways to get on the market quicker. So if you're thinking I have to have 20% plus costs, but the reality is you you cost it out and think, actually, I could, you know, I've got 12% plus costs and I can afford the mortgage, um, then that's one way to get on the market quicker is to pay and- Lenders mortgage yep. insurance. Conversations with mortgage brokers. You don't have to be, mm. we, we talk about building a team right at the start of the course. So it's a first module. And the reason that it's there is because you know, you want to gather your knowledge before you actually apply for a loan. So yep. um, having a conversation with a good mortgage broker who understands mortgage strategy and, and um, different lending practices and will sit and listen to your questions and answer them, that's really important. Having those conversations really early in the piece helps you to understand what your options are. And then as you're moving through the process and step-by-step taking yourself through the journey of of buying your first home, you're armed with a lot more information, a lot more knowledge and can make much better decisions about what's going to be right for you. Whereas if you just wait until you think you've got enough deposit to have a conversation with a mortgage broker, you may have missed some opportunities and missed missed out on um, actually moving forward more quickly if you'd known 
more than you know when you don't know what you don't know. What you don't know. You don't what you don't know. <laughs> so <laughs> these are all really important things. The other thing that you can um, look at doing to buy quicker is the federal government's deposit guarantee scheme. They love those long-winded names, don't they? Oh, don't they what? And then it becomes an acronym and no one can remember what the acronym <laughs> FGDG. I can't even say it if that's what they say. So, okay, every year there's 10,000 new spots. There's 10,000 new spots coming up in only less than two months, actually, on July 1. Mm. So, um, you know, and that means that 10,000 lucky Australians who fulfil the criteria because there's some income caps. There's and, quite a, yeah, quite a bit you know, of criteria there. And price caps and whatever. Mm. Particularly works in regional areas more than um, capital cities in terms of just if you sit down and sort of work out, well, can I buy a quality property? The, the pressure in capital cities is the prices are too high mm. for most people for the to caps. be able yep. to buy a decent property under the cap. So in regional areas in particular, um, if you can secure one of those places, then, you know, and you've got the income to support, a, you know, a bigger mortgage and you're not buying a crap asset, basically, that's a great way to get into the market quicker. And so bearing in mind there's only 10,000 spots a year, um, they all become available on July 1, then try to get one of them. Yeah, I, I guess we've got to be a little bit, um, just get, put a little bit of caution around that one. Once you have a spot, you have only, only got 90 days to actually purchase a property. Mm. So there are only a number of financial institutions who are allocated a certain number of spots. So very much a conversation to have with a mortgage broker around this one because timing is imperative. If you're not ready in your journey to to purchase within three months, then you'll lose your spot. You'll miss it. Yep. So you really, I guess, should have your 5% at least saved plus costs, don't forget your costs, and be able to hit the ground running. So use this time to prepare yourself. Mm. Yep, yep. There's plenty of time. There's plenty of time to, to to actually get yourself all your ducks in a line, ready to go. Um, the challenge, of course, and I believe that they might have got, they might have been a little bit flexible on that 90 days because of COVID. I, I think that there were some extensions given um, because people physically couldn't go out and buy mm. property. So I, I, I do believe that there was some some flexibility given there. I'm not sure what the the um, guidelines and, and requirements will be with the next tranche that, that's released in July. Watch that now, space. If you think that you're going to be qualifying for that and going to be able to take advantage of that, honestly, you are really, I would highly encourage you to do your first home buyer guide the course and mm. do it now. Get yourself clued Get yourself up. ready. So you can hit that ground running to maximise those 90 days. Yep. Uh, we, we, you mentioned earlier we, we spoke to f some former students in, in episode 18 um, and, and there were some absolute pieces of gold in there. And one of the things that they talked about was, you know, it took them a couple of years on their own and, and, and um, you know, Mike sort of pointed out he was floundering around a little bit not really knowing where where everything fit in the process. But if you get the process right and, and do everything step by step, then the moment that you are ready to move forward, you can get that pre-approval done, get your um, government deposit guarantee scheme position if that's the, the pathway that you're going to proceed down um, and actually go out there really hard in, in your search to to secure something. Um, it's a tough market at the moment. There's no, no doubt about that, but things will change. Things will change. I think what was so good um, about that case study, so once again we encourage you to go back episode 18 and listen to that, 
they knew exactly that it was the right property and they had mm. been looking at different types of properties in different areas for some time and doing all that legwork and that research. And, and, and like, I still can't believe when they told me four days, <laughs> like, I mean, it's a bit of a spoiler <laughs> alert. Pre-approval. Yeah. Pre-approval to purchase. I know. Amazing. But it, that wasn't about them panicking and FOMO <laughs> and, and being crazy. They were very deliberate and very, very educated and eyes wide open about the whole process. That was just exciting to hear that story. It really yeah. was because this is what we're not saying, how to get on the market quicker isn't to panic and go down FOMO path and, and freak out and think, oh, my God, I've got to get in or I'm going to miss out and that that very fast talking that is even faster than I normally talk in your head, then, <laughs> <laughs> you, then you know, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about being calculated, you know, doing mm. it purposefully, not out of fear. You know, yep. it's yep. smart, not not fearful. Yeah, and I guess I'd add to that too, Veronica, is don't sit back and hope that prices are going to drop. Oh, no. You know, that, that, old, that old nugget. <laughs> oh, I'm just going to wait until the market settles down. Uh, you know, the, the, the second biggest question we get is, you know, is now a time to, is now a good time to buy? So first it's, you know, how do I save Where my do deposit I buy? quicker? Oh, yeah. Where do I buy? And, and What's is the best now time to buy? A, a good time to buy? Mm. And, and we always say when you are financially able to, that is the right time to buy, but you need to arm yourself with the right information and, and, um, be ready, mm. uh, so that you know when it's the right property and what to pay for it and what the pros and cons are and, and, and you're going into it with your eyes wide open. So don't sit back. I had a, a student in a mentoring session the other day say to me, look, Megan, I just think I need to take a break for six months and let things settle down. And I said, well, I, I'm not seeing any kind of change mm. in behaviour that tells me that that's what's going to happen. Yeah. And this is the thing, that there will become a point where the market sort of peaks and prices will come off the boil for a bit. But it is unusual. It's very rare areas where they come off the boil to the beginning, to where they were at the beginning of the boom. Mm. They'll, they'll come off the peak, but they don't the come peak, all yeah. the way down. And we never know where the peak is going to be. And Until it might after. be tomorrow, mm. but it yeah. also might be in two years. And if yep. it's tomorrow, you'll you'll dine out on this and you'll say, yes, I was right to wait. And if it's in two years' time, you may never buy a home. <laughs> and, you know, I would rather buy a home and make sure I make a really good decision and really mm. wise decision, really clear decision, not buy a piece of crap, all that sort of stuff. And then know you've got a good asset, know you bought the right property. And even if you bought at the peak, it's okay because it'll be a little bit of time where it goes down a bit and then ultimately it will take off again because um, that's what happens. That's in good areas, good property, that's what happens. Mm. So one of the things that, that the temptation, as Megan just said, is to sit on your hands you can do nothing and wait. That's yeah. not going to get you on the market quicker. So <laughs> don't no, wait. No, and, and it could end up costing you quite a lot of money. Mm, mm. So waiting for the perfect home if you can't outsave the market, and that is where you've got to save more money because you know you want a better home. Um, you know, there are times when you think, you know what, I need to actually buy now and I need to accept that I'm going to buy a smaller home as my first property or, or an apartment um, and be careful not too small. We're not saying too small. We're not no, saying. Don't, yeah, right compromises, you know, very, very, very important and it's something that we really, really go into quite deeply and, and um, 
it's making sure they're the right compromises mm. and not short-term thinking. Uh, That's it. the last thing, you know, you talk about that first place that you bought that was <laughs> too small. It, it, you weren't thinking far enough ahead at the time and you didn't know what you didn't know at the time. Yep. But but um, in hindsight and, and, and one of the things that we love to do is make sure that people don't make the mistakes that we've seen and, and made ourselves in the yep. past um, is to to think, oh, well, I can't quite afford what I want, so I'll just get this sort of stepping stone property. But if you're not going to be in it for five years at least, at least own that property for five years, if you're going to outgrow it within that time frame, then you, you may well do more than your deposit uh, if you have to turn it over quickly. Yep. Now, the, the stepping stone strategy you mentioned there is a very valid strategy and we, uh, we've got a workshop planned for that. So... Um, the thing is, though, you've got to, there's certain things you've got to look for if you're doing the stepping stone strategy. And you really do need to be looking at least medium term when you're buying a smaller home to get into the market. So certainly, as Megan was talking about there, my first property was only 36 square metres. And of course, I outgrew it. You wouldn't it be able to borrow on that now, would you? No, What's you wouldn't. Just shows my age, really. Lend on? <laughs> <laughs> but it was also, <laughs> I actually borrowed ninety-five percent, believe it or not. But that's—I don't want to rub salt in the wound here. Um, the the thing is with that, I could have afforded more uh, actually if I had a plan, you know, mm-hmm. or if I bothered to actually do our where to. <laughs> Where to buy workshop? So yeah. you needed you, you needed our workshop back back twenty five years ago, ago. Yeah. <laughs> when I bought my first property. So and I you know I just thought oh, I've got to get something, got to get something, and yeah. that is not the answer. And, and that's a big risk. Mm. Big risk is that anything, anything, yeah. anything will go up in value. It won't. Exactly. And I was lucky. Such a fallacy. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very lucky. These days, people are not so lucky if they, they do what I did back then. But there are ways that you can look at what your options are with a smaller budget um, without waiting out the time to to save up for what you thought you were going to buy, the bigger home. If, the, if there's options for a smaller home, now's the time to think about that. Now's the time to look into that. And I highly encourage you to do the Where to Buy workshop because for $39, you can actually go through a process or help you really fully have clarity around what you can get for your money. Um, and so these medium-term options might mean that you live in it for a period of time and then you convert it into an investment. Mm. Um, you might renovate it. You might sell an upgrade. You know, there's a number of different things you can do if you buy the smaller property now, but you do need to look at it and also fully consider what those options are after yeah, the next, next life phase is. Mm. You know, if you've got kids on the way then or you're married, planning children, the one-bedroom apartment isn't going to be upgradable, but maybe a little two-bedroom cottage um, with uh, the ability to uh, renovate and expand, extend, that may be the way to get in. Exactly. Or the two-bedroom apartment that, you know, might have a courtyard hmm. that might get you one child and then it might work as an investment. So there's there's ways to look at it. You need to, once again, you've got to get your advisors lined up as we talk about in the course number one. Step one in the pay system is Get your support crew support lined up because crew lined up. yeah, these are things that you definitely need advice on. But you know, don't wait for the perfect home if you can get in smaller and buy a good medium term option for your within your budget. Yep. Next option to get in quicker, co ownership. This this can work really well, um, but just like the bank of mum and dad, uh, there's a lot to think about. There are lots and lots of 
pros, there's lots and lots of cons, there are lots of risks. Co-ownership is where you pool your money with with another buyer who isn't your partner or related um, and and you enter into a, an agreement with them around you know pulling your money, purchasing a property, sharing costs and so forth and uh, and, and can, that gets you both into the market a lot quicker and possibly into a, a, a better quality or hopefully better quality property um, in a, a in a different price range than you could achieve if you did it on your own. Um, Co-ownership, I've seen it work really well where people have um, had good advice prior to entering into it who are, and, and who are pragmatic about the way in which that they're, they're going to interact with their co-owner because often in co-ownership you're living in the property as well, so you want to make sure yeah. that you can, you can function well as a, as a household. Um, but there are so many things to consider. You know, what if one person falls in love and they want that person to move into the house or what if a person gets gets a, a um, promotion and wants to move into state or um, what if someone loses their job and, and how will repayments be um, uh, made if, if there's mm. only one income coming into, into the, the household? Um, what if one person wants to sell and the other one doesn't but they can't buy them out? So there's so many different scenarios that you need to go through and get agreement in, you know, the what-if scenarios. Uh, if you can do that and you can do that and get it in writing, then really, you, you, you know, a good advisor will actually tease out all of those different scenarios. So no matter what happens, you know how it's going to be handled and it, and it doesn't, it can help to reduce any friction if there's, if an unexpected event comes up. It's like a prenup. Yeah. You know, it's kind of, so much yeah. easier to agree on agreement. who's, yeah, it's who's going to get the dog if you break up. It's so much easier to agree on that before you break up. Yeah, than when you're not you emotional. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why, yeah, being stepped up. I think we should do a workshop on co-ownership. I've, I got, as we work through Write this, down, Veronica. all the workshops that we can do, <laughs> let us know. Send us an email if you'd like us to do a workshop on co-ownership and uh, and put you in the direction of good agreement. Now, um, so, but it is definitely a valid way to get on the property market quicker, you know, particularly if you're not already loved up, coupled up. Um, although I've got a client, there, there's a couple and then there's a sister of one of the couple and they're okay. buying in together. So, you know, there's, they've got an agreement and a plan and exit strategies and all that sort of thing. And, um, and you just got to make sure that everyone gets equal say in what it is that they're buying as well because you certainly don't want it to be somebody's a bit more stronger, a bit more forceful in their personality. You know, everyone's yep. got to have really equal um, uh, input into the ultimate decision of what property. But that can create problems too and definitely does may not speed things up. So, you know, <laughs> yes, <laughs> there is complexity there and there's a lot of preparation to do before you even set foot in a property. Um, legal advice, incredibly important because mm. you, you would be buying as... Um, tenants in, in common. common. I think would be, yeah, joint we tenants... Debate every time. Oh, we don't really no, know we why. Get I'm pretty certain it's tenants in common, which means that um, it's you own a share, yeah, mm, and you can yeah. sell. You know, the one person can sell a bit of it and all that sort of stuff. So, um, 
really important to be honest not like with a with a parental guarantee you actually it's a requirement that you get legal advice with co-ownership it actually isn't a requirement i mean you do have to you know get the contract looked at by a lawyer the sale contract but not your own contract and mm, it'd be very very advisable that you do go and get some legal advice around that to make sure that you're covered um, and you've got full understanding of your obligations as well And the other thing too, I think, Megan, you've referred to this in previous uh, episodes around when you go into co-ownership, the bank views you as potentially having the liability for the entire mortgage or the entire balance. Um, But apparently some banks don't. So once again, great conversation to have with your broker. Mm. Which banks, which lenders are going to have the best product for you in your situation to give you maximum flexibility for other options that may or may not come up down the track? Mm. So yet again, another uh, reason why you get good advice. Yeah, absolutely. Another way to get into the market quicker is to to rent vest. And the reason that we say that that can possibly speed things up is you've got an income stream um, potentially coming through th- through the, the rental income. Um, so the bank is, is going to look at that from an income perspective, but you've got to keep in mind you're still paying rent somewhere as well. Mm. So, so rent vesting um, where you continue to rent yourself, but you buy an investment property um, as a way to getting getting um, your money into the marketplace. There's pros and cons, as with everything, pros and cons with the rent vesting, Veronica, and, and um, you know, I think you've, another, you've bought. What's well, another workshop we're working on, rent vest or owner-occupy? Yeah, and it's a big decision because mm. there are different tax implications and different um, mortgage structures that are more appropriate for if you're in a principal place of residence, it's your mm. home, versus if it's an investment property and you need different types of advice. So you can't really go and get a generic loan and, and then decide later, oh, okay, I'm going to live in it or I'm not going to live in it. it. You actually have to have your strategy sorted and set before you go and have those conversations or have both the conversations so that you know <laughs> you know what 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 the impact will be and i think too sometimes um buyers need a sort of a plan b and that is look if i really can't afford to buy the home i need for the long term the medium to long term in the area that i want to yeah. be and then i do need to look at buying um, an investment property in order to be into the market so that's a yep. decision that it does shouldn't come easily But it's certainly a way in which you can actually buy with a smaller budget because you aren't going to be buying with the same for your own personal requirements, Yeah, yeah. So it's investment property is very much very analytical. So removing the emotion out of it can can help you move forward, um, as long as you're sticking with the fundamentals and making sure that those fundamentals are right for the market in which you're purchasing. Exactly. Now, in all these uh, ways in which we're we're talking about getting into the market quicker, um, notice how we haven't suggested maxing out on grants. We haven't even talked about grants, Veronica. (laughs) <laughs> we did talk why about, is that? Why do well, we? Why, why do we not really talk about grants? We run the risk of sounding like we're banging on the same old drum. We, we bang are on banging pre- on the same drum. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much every episode. Don't rely on government grants. You know, if if you do get a grant because you're able to sit under a threshold and buy a really good quality asset in a good area. Um, then that's great. That's icing on the cake and, and that's fantastic. But mm. the problem is when people are actually trying to, to jump, leapfrog onto the market with very few savings by using grants. And so that's the danger. So if, yep, 
where people say, right, I've got I've got five percent, and I'm going to get twenty grand here and ten grand there and whatever. The problem is with that, they force you down a very narrow funnel towards buying property that Absolutely. is easy to buy and yep. probably not going to be a great asset. Yep. And and so that's the main, main reason that we don't encourage you to say, great, do the big money grab from the government and that's the quick way on the market. It is a quick way into a whole world of pain. Yeah, and, and the biggest risk then is that you end up with a property that is either not going to give you equity in line with how the market is growing, so it grows at a slower pace or it doesn't grow or it goes backwards in value because most of the grants will point you, point you towards brand new. Mm. And brand new properties, um, particularly ones in you know, the bigger states and subdivisions and big complexes and apartments and so forth, they're going to depreciate for a number of years before they even start to appreciate. So if you're if you're thinking, well, you know, I'll use a grant, I'll get into a property, and then I'll use the equity in that property to as a stepping stone into my next property. Well, your risk is you might actually be sitting on negative equity, not positive mm. equity, for a number of years, and you're stuck then in that property. Yeah. So your stepping stone strategy is greatly affected by your decision on the first property. So, so that's why we, we don't talk about accessing grants as a way to get into the market quicker or to, to save you, you know, to have your deposit more quickly um, because it's not necessarily going to point you to the right asset. Yes, I know. It's really terrible. And a lot of people think, oh, you're just, you know, you're just being negative. But I have started, you might have noticed, Megan, I've started a little folder of examples <laughs> of people have got caught out because there are so many. And and yeah. so one day I'm going to put together a whole, you know, we might do it a blog post or we might even do an episode of all the sad stories that we want all of you who are listening to, to this podcast to avoid being one of those statistics. Don't end up in Veronica's folder. Don't. Exactly. <laughs> That's an ambition in life, isn't it? <laughs> You don't want to be one of her case studies. <laughs> do not be a case study. Uh, now, I think uh, the other do not, don't sit back and wait for prices to drop. Megan, you've already raised that earlier. Yeah, look, it's it's just, you know, um, you know I, I, I'm Brisbane-based. When, when the market cools in Brisbane, prices don't drop, they stagnate. So mm. if, if, you if you really think that you're going to be able to time the market and have prices drop, then nothing in history tells me that that's going to happen in Brisbane. Sydney has and Melbourne have had times where prices have come off, but as you say, they've come off the peak, mm. not off, off the last trough. Yeah. So you, you very rarely, in fact, I can't think of a period in time where, where a, a decrease in the market went below the previous no. Trough, can you? No, I mean certainly in hot spotting areas where where oh absolutely you know yeah. mining towns are classic where the example. fundamentals aren't there. Yeah, exactly. Where mm. where you're buying, particularly where you're buying a home to live in, um, in good areas, good property where there's not oversupply, you you don't see that. And so certainly, I'll just give you some quick stats. You know, in the last boom in Sydney, and similar thing happened in Melbourne. You know, from 2012 2017, median house price in Sydney went up 89. percent in the sort of two years from the mid-2017 to mid-2019, they came off by 15%. So 89 up and then off 15. So anybody who bought sort of in the end of 2016 to mid-2017, yes, 
they might have been feeling a bit uncomfortable for a period of time. Mm. Anyone who bought before then would have got some gains they were still sitting on. Now, when the market turned again, it only took nine months to go up 12%, right? And then COVID hit and all sorts of weird stuff happened. But now it's just mm. gone gangbusters again. But mm. I guess the point I'm trying to make is when you've got a boom and we are beginning of a boom and no one knows how long it's going to go for. No, no one knows. No. But, you know, all the signs are pointing that it's going to go for a while. And so, as we mentioned before, when you are ready, when you are financed, when you're ready to buy that property, get into the market and make sure you buy a good asset. Don't just good get asset. in buying yep. anything. Do not jump in and just just go, oh, I've got to, who cares? It, it, anything will do. That is yeah, not our no, message. it won't. anything won't do and and hopefully hopefully we've rabbited it on enough that you that you understand you you still got to you still got to make a really good decision about the property (laughs) so uh, look once you get yourself into that position where you've looked at all of these options you've talked to relevant um experts in their fields about what you you're thinking of doing and you and you and you've armed yourself with knowledge um then then it's really you know, being able to buy in this market in particular, but at any point in time, don't put, don't set up alerts on the portals and wait for, you know, your dream home to arrive in your inbox because <laughs> most likely people like you and I, Veronica, have already gone and seen the property if it's good, we've bought it for a client or um, we've rejected it because it was not good. So, you actually have to be really active. You have to really be out there, be active. It's hard to do when you're working full time, but you've got to work out how to do it. And that is to get on the phone to agents. Agents are your source of of property um, and and talking to them and and making sure that they understand that you're finance ready, you're pre-approved, you understand, you're asking intelligent questions. These are all really important things to do in a, a fast moving market because you cannot wait for an agent to ring you back. They've got 50 or 60 missed calls um, and, and their ability to, to get back to each individual buyer is almost, you know, it's almost gone at the moment. They're out there trying to list properties. That's that's really what the, the real estate agent's focus is at the moment. So you've got to be the one that is out there talking, be the squeaky wheel, going and inspecting properties, filling yourself with knowledge and information. And, and then when the right one comes up, you're ready to move on it. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself. In this episode, we've covered a very small part of our 10-step online course for first-time buyers. If you would like to learn more about the process and how to buy without making a mistake, then head over to our website, www.homebuyeracademy.com.au. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss an episode. And if you like what you've heard today, please give us an iTunes review. Five stars would be wonderful. It will help others find us as well. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found this really useful. And if you have, please share the love with others who you know are in the same boat. We'll be back next week with some more priceless stuff.